Man, y'all, I'm telling you, y'all would really be surprised at how many people actually talk a lot of shit. It's not just me. Welcome to 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of the season. Real NFL player talk, unfiltered, unrestricted, and of course, uninterrupted. Like always, we're hitting up three of the league's biggest stars, starting in NYC, where Le'Veon Bell's Jets beat their crosstown rival, the Giants. And not only does he just get the sack, but he takes the ball from the quarterback and, and takes it the other way. So um, that's just high-level football. Out in Buffalo, we got Cole Beasley. In this episode, Cole tells us one of his biggest changes from playing in Dallas to being in Buffalo. Bought some shovels today to shovel snow away from the doors, and we've got scrapers. But other than that, we have no idea what we're doing. Out in L.A., we got Jalen Ramsey talking about why he loved Deion Sanders to coach his alma mater, FSU. But I know as soon as I heard it, I reached out to Dion. I said, Brian, I said, I need you to get this job. I said, I'll be there every chance I get. Plus, we'll talk the best celebrities our guys met on the sidelines, toughest rivalries they've ever played in. And as usual, I'll tell you some stories from my playing days. This is 17 Weeks. Quick timeout. 17 Weeks is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. New episodes drop every Thursday, and you can listen to them on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. 17 Weeks is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, though, be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, and share the show on social media. All right, it's time for the show. Let's start in New York with Le'Veon Bell. The Jets got their offense rolling again and beat the Giants with City Pride on the line. The W was a statement game for the Jets. Here's Lev's takeaways from the win. Yeah, it was it was a great job on our defense, you know, holding such a elite player like Saquon, you know, to out one yard. You know what I'm saying? It's unbelievable. That was an unbelievable stat to me. I mean, and then, you know, what actually when I seen the stats, I kind of go back to thinking about how the game went. I never really seen them cross the line of scrimmage much, you know. Our defense did a great job. Um, there was a couple runs. They made them lose yards, too. So it, uh, it's uh, kind of unbelie- unbelievable. Um, Jamal's takeaway, I actually seen it on the TV. I seen it on live TV. I had uh, hurt, like, my ribs in, like, the second quarter. I had went into the locker room and I was getting x-rays um, on my ribs, making sure everything was fine, just for precautionary things. And I didn't want to miss no plays on offense. So I was kind of trying to get everybody to hurry up. Like, come on, come on, hurry up. You know what I'm saying? Like, do what we got to do. It was like, Unbelievable that Jamal does that play because um, if, if they just make the stop, they punt it, and then the offense is up, and then I won't be able to be out there on the field. And then it, it kind of makes, like, all oh, Le'Veon Bell's hurt, you know what I'm saying? Why is he not out there? It kind of causes a story. But Jamal makes that play, and it get, buys me so much more time. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy that uh, Jamal made that play, you know, and um, it was an unbelievable play. You know, that, that's that's what Jamal does. He's, he's an exciting player. You know, he's not just a hard-hitting guy. He's a guy who can cover. Um, he's a very smart, intellectual guy. He beat Saquon on that block. He knew he had the one-on-one block with the running back. He beats the running back. And not only does he just get the sack, but he takes the ball from the quarterback and, and takes it the other way. So um, that's just high-level football. It was a great win for the Jets because, let's just keep it real, even with the terrible season the Giants are having, the hype was Daniel Dimes and Saquon. Nobody was talking about the Jets. If you were having a conversation about quarterback and running back, everybody was talking about what was going on with the Giants. So the Jets definitely, definitely made a statement with that one. The Bills lost a close game to Baker Mayfield and the Browns this weekend. After a red-hot start, Coles Bills have lost two of their last three, but they're still sitting on that wild-card spot at 6-3. and three. Here's Cole on the Bills and playing in Buffalo in the winter. Feeling pretty good today, man. I, uh, 
I was talking to John Brown about this, and and we kind of agreed about it. The last drive, when when they scored, and then we were going out there. At that point, I had no doubt in my mind that we were about to uh, finish this game off, drive down there, and get points. Um, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown, I knew we were going to get down there. You know what I mean? He felt the same way, and I don't know. That's the first time I really had to feel like. You know, I know we're about to go down here and we're about to do this. You know what I mean? Obviously, it didn't go our way in the end, but we didn't make enough plays early to to give ourselves a chance. Had our first, like, huge snow, huge buffalo snow. So that's been an adventure. Um, I don't know how many inches exactly we got, but there's probably like a foot of snow outside of each door that I have. Me and my oldest ace went to Cabela's today to, to stock up on some gear some warm gear because we, we were not prepared for this. This is all of our, really our first big winter that we've ever been a part of as a family. Actually, funny story, the guy across my street actually cleared my whole driveway and I, I had no idea who did it because I, I was like, man, I haven't I haven't paid anybody to do this. I'm like, who, who did that, you know? So I don't know the city took care of it or what, but and my wife told me the guy, uh, the guy across the street, one of our neighbors did it for us. So I'm going to have to make a trip over there tomorrow and, and go thank him for that because we have no idea what we're doing in all this snow. We have no idea what we need. Or uh, I bought some shovels today to shovel uh, snow away from the doors, and we've got scrapers. But other than that, we have no idea what we're doing. Kind of just doing it on the fly. There's no snow out in L.A. where we're catching up with Jalen Ramsey. He took his first L in a loss to the Steelers, but he's settling in with his new team, and he sees the positives, even in a week with bad results. He also got real about his trash talk with Juju Smith-Schuster. Definitely not happy with the result of the game, but there was definitely good things to take away from the game. How we performed on the defensive end, nine points on the board, you know, held them to seven or ten. The offense, they'll get it, they'll get it going. There's too many weapons on that offense. It's all right, slight bump in the road, but still have a winning record right now, five and four, seven more games left. We can still make some things happen. Of course, everything that I say gets blown up and goes viral and sometimes gets blown out of proportion. In quotation marks, I said, no disrespect to Juju. I was saying that in reference to the question they asked me. They said, you've played Juju before when you've played the Steelers. And I was basically just answering them. I said, yeah, but I've only guarded Juju a handful of times. I always guarded Antonio Brown. So it was no disrespect to Juju, but I haven't guarded him. He's not AB. I guarded AB. And I even said this as well. I said, but now I'm going up against Juju, who is a totally different person, a different player, a uh, different body type, and he can make plays. Like, I even gave him kudos. But, of course, they only blew up the part that it was like, no disrespect to Juju, but he's not Antonio Brown. That was like the headliner instead of putting the rest of the rest of what I said out there. But, I, of course, I knew that was going to happen in some shape or fashion. I don't know why I always, every single week, it's like, oh, yeah, Jalen talks smack to him, Jalen talks smack. I do it every single week. It does not matter what receiver I'm playing against. I'm going to do me every single week. I play that way. I play with an edge. I like to uh, think I get a competitive edge by that, getting receivers' heads, just nag them, get on their nerves. Juju's definitely a character himself, and I think everybody knows that. So, yeah, he, he has said something after the game. Like, I've never heard heard them any cuss words or anything like that. I just started laughing when I saw that. That was funny. Uh, of course, that was exaggerated. Juju's 22. He I didn't make up any new cuss words or anything. But we definitely weren't out there singing hymns together. Uh, we weren't singing hymns together at all out there. We were out there battling. We were out there going at it. I talked uh, a lot, probably every play. 
um, like I always do. And and he talked back, uh, you know, a handful of times too. But it was never anything that got out of hand after the game came to me. We, you know, showed love and kept it pushing. Juju will be a good player in this league for years and years. The thing about receivers is they'll like, and, and you know, even the referees know who talks and who doesn't and, and who's feisty on the field, who, you know, how people play. So a lot of receivers are kind of sneaky talkers and they want to, you know, they want the ref to make it seem like I'm always the bad guy. Like, oh, he talking, but I ain't saying nothing. Um, but that's not the case all the time. A lot of receivers, actually, a lot of receivers are pretty sneaky talkers. They'll, you know, say something on the, on the sly or say something as they're running back to the huddle, um, not really giving too much animation or anything, but they'll definitely say something and then they'll go to the ref and be like, look at him, he talking. It's funny, honestly, but it's strategic by them as well. Nobody just sits there and like, oh, okay, I'm going to just let him talk the whole game. People say people say stuff back and, and that's what I like. It's fun. I don't I don't do that. If I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you. I don't know, maybe maybe some are like that, but I've never done that before. I don't know. I'm always responding. So if someone says something to me, like I'm not doing it under my breath. I'm going to go at them. I'm going to talk to them. It actually happened this game. Greedy, Greedy Williams, I think, 26. He like, I don't know, he like hit me late in the play or something. So then I started I started jawing at him a little bit, but I wasn't I wasn't whispering under my breath. I don't know if they were shit talking, but some some dudes are just like super friendly out there and I don't know if that's their like tactic to get you out of your game too, but I've had some dudes um Cromarty when he was at the Giants who just kind of talked to you the whole game, just kind of like friendly though. So, I mean, I don't I don't, and I thought that was kind of funny, kind of the shit he would say, but other than that, nobody nobody really talking shit. Let's get Lev in here. I remember earlier in my career, I was kind of like, I had to deal with a lot of trash talk just because I think I didn't necessarily have a respect, you know? But, like, later in my career, like, like around now, I don't really get, you know, guys don't really trash talk too much. You know, guys kind of, like, you respect me and, you know, and I just show respect back, you know? Like, don't get me wrong. There's definitely some times where, like, we played the Eagles. You got, like, guys like Brandon Graham. He out there talking trash, you know what I'm saying? So I obviously got to talk trash back, you know, and he a Michigan guy too. So it's like something that's deeper uh, <laughs> with me and him. But, you know, obviously it was, it's, it's like, you know, still all love, but we're playing the game of football. Motions are, you know, flying wild. Trash talk obviously is going to happen every now and then, but it's it's so rare. It's so it's so rare for me to be in a, engaged in trash talking unless guys are really kind of, you know, starting with me first. And, and another reason why, you know, it's more like trash talking receivers and corners, I think, because like – they're more like they're more one on one, you know what I'm saying? They're like on an island. It's like literally me versus you. Um, I don't think like really a running back and like a linebacker. I mean, it happens, but like it's a little tougher just because you know you got other guys you got to depend on. You know, the running back got to de depend on the old line. The linebackers got to depend on the other backers and the D line. So it's like you know it, it can't just be one guy or or one guy on on at the running back position or one guy at the linebacker position, you know, kind of talking trash. like, But it happens sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But for the one-on-one -on -one sake, you know, it's kind of tougher than than it is when guys are outside and you know Jalen Ramsey is going to follow him every single play. Y'all going to see each other every single play, line up each other's face every single play. Yeah, Jalen's at that point in his career where we're going to blow up everything that he says. And I don't take offense to that. And I don't think Juju did either. Like, let's just keep it real. If somebody says Juju Smith-Schuster isn't Antonio Brown. I think we all can admit that. Even Juju had to admit it. He said, I'm no AB. I'm Juju Smith-Schuster. It's like somebody saying, like, yo, Nate's a good receiver, but he's no Randy Moss. Nate's a good receiver, but he's no Calvin Johnson. That's just keeping it real. But I think it's just like that Dave Chappelle skit. Whenever Jalen talks, 
it's when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> people are gonna people are gonna pick it apart. And I think it's funny. But Jalen, do you fam? Keep talking. Because you're one of the few that can talk and back it up. Elsewhere around the league, Russell Wilson pulled out an OT win in San Fran to give them their first loss. Russ is making a case that he is the league's MVP, and he got my vote. Here comes pressure. Wilson escapes. Here goes Russ past midfield inside the 40, and he makes magic again with a 21-yard run. But Lamar Jackson put on another type of show, this time in Cincy. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. Jalen thinks all eyes should be on Lamar. Oh, I got to catch uh, a little bit of the Baltimore game, and Lamar is playing like a true MVP. And I'm just, I'm happy. Can't wait for this week's matchup with him and Deshaun. Two, you know, young MVP candidates who were overlooked a little bit early in their careers, but are blossoming. It's crazy, you know, when I had my little QB rant a couple years ago, I I said all of this. I was like, Deshaun Watson going to be an MVP candidate. I was like, Lamar Jackson, he going to turn that franchise around. He going to do big things. And everything that I was saying, if you look back on it, it's like, yo, he was spot on. In football, I want to say people get caught up in statistics a little too much sometimes. I'm going to keep it real. This is my opinion, my perspective. Not everybody will agree with this. For instance, just like I said, going back to myself, not having statistically the best season that I've had in the NFL. I'll admit that. But when I'm taking away your first read, that's making a huge effect on the game. And then let's get off myself for a little bit. Let's go to these quarterbacks. You have Lamar. Okay, maybe he's not throwing for 400 yards. He's not doing what you would see, you know, Tom Brady was doing in his MVP years. No, he is doing exactly what his team asked of him to do. And they're being a super successful team. He has been a leader on that team, and they're getting the job done. To me, that is a huge impact. And that's why he is an MVP candidate, most valuable player. That's what that means. And people get that confused sometimes. Like, they think, oh, it, just, it needs to be the guy who has the most stats. No, it is who is the most valuable player. And his value to that team is through the roof. Same as Deshaun, same as Russ. So that's what I mean by statistics. People get caught up in statistics a little too much. The value you have and the value that you bring to your team, what your team is asking you to do, are you doing it? Are you doing it well? Are you exceeding? And that's what, you know, these guys like Lamar are doing and people are still doubting him because they're not realizing, no, man, this is exactly what they're asking him to do and he's exceeding it. We already talked about how the Jets put out the W in the battle for New York, but on Saturday, we saw Alabama go down to their SCC rival LSU in Tuscaloosa. So we asked our guys, what are some of the best rivalry games you've been part of? Jalen, you got some rivalry games? In general, my best rivalry I've ever been a part of was, for me personally, was Miami versus Florida State in college. I grew up a fan of Miami and uh, Southern Cal. I was committed to Southern Cal for a while. Then I decommitted and went, ended up going to Florida State. Miami never even offered me. So 
that was always a big, big game for me, like playing Miami. Uh, one of my best friends, Corn Elder, played for Miami at the time. So it was good. It was like extra battles for me because me and Corn were like rivals in high school as well. Yeah, we had really good games against them. We won, we won all of them. Yeah, my three years there, but it was actually really good games. My freshman year, I think we were both undefeated teams at the time. They came in the dope. It was a night game. They made some plays. We came out with a big win. My sophomore year, they jumped out on us heavy. Uh, we were we were at Hard Rock, I want to say. Yeah, they jumped out on us heavy. I had a big game, ended the game off with a pick. We came back, kept our like 26, 27 game streak going. Then my junior year, again, another night game, good game. They hopped out on us. It was a close game, and we came out with the win. So it, that was probably my favorite rivalry. The atmosphere was always electric, and uh, it was just a good game. I, I enjoyed that. That was my favorite rivalry ever in my history of playing football. But for the NFL, I would have to say it was you know, when I was uh, back playing with the Jags and we played the we played the Texans. For me, that was uh, I want to say a good a good uh, matchup always for me personally and team wise. And it was a good rivalry as well. Like one year we'll win two games, the next year they'll win both the games. Um, and I think for for something to be a rivalry, you kind of have to have a little back and forth. It got to be close games or good games. It can't just be fully one sided. So I thought I thought that was a good good rivalry. I'm not going to lie to you. I love the NFL to death. This is always my dream, but it's just no comparison. College football is amazing. I mean, college football is amazing. The, the atmosphere, the, the energy, the passion, it's just electric. What about you, Cole? I think the best rivalry game I was in was always probably against the Eagles when I was with the Cowboys. You know, it was like anytime we played them, it was there was some kind of shit going on before the game and a bunch of shit talking and and kind of escalated the, the the play a little bit. I remember, you know, one year when we were playing a Philly and and Dez and Malcolm Jenkins got into it at the 50-yard line before the game. That's the real, like, rivalry moment that I've been a part of and witnessed is just, you know, that part. But um, really any time we played the Eagles at, at the Cowboys, that was kind of the, I don't know, I felt like it was the biggest rivalry. The fans in Philly are definitely uh, – crazier and talk a lot more shit than our our fans did in Dallas when I was there they were they seem they seem ruthless man but they would they would boo the Eagles quick quick as hell too so I don't know maybe I don't know Dallas is so much of a show man it's hard to kind of I don't know it's hard to even focus on a rivalry I I guess it's just kind of like the same every week there let's get Lev in here oh yeah college yeah college football games rivalry games are like crazy don't get me wrong with the Steelers and Ravens that that, that was the Steelers and Ravens kind of earlier in my career was big, and then it kind of went to, like, the Steelers-Bengals. Um, but the Ravens always kind of been there, but, like, the Steelers and Bengals start really, like, clashing and really hating each other. But in college, there's no comparison, like, a uh, Michigan State-Michigan rivalry. That rivalry right there is unbelievable. Those guys didn't like us. We didn't like them. Um, it was literally, like, a battle f for the state of Michigan. And it's kind of, like, goes back and forth. You know, it's like both teams, you know, beat each other each and every year. Um, I know traditionally, you know, the Ohio State-Michigan game is kind of like the, the most known rivalry, like the biggest rivalry, but Ohio State just kind of been so dominant, so there haven't really been much of a rivalry, honestly. But um, Michigan, you know, sometimes beat Michigan State and sometimes State beat Michigan, so highest stake game every time we played them. That's why the games were so exciting. My sophomore year, they had Denard Robinson, that quarterback. They had, a, they had a lot of special players on that Michigan side. Well, we ended up beating them, and it was, about, it was our uh, third or fourth time in a row beating them. Um, and I think that was like the longest streak that has happened. Um, but that was a huge win for us. Yeah, I remember that game like, like it was no other. So I went to University of Nevada, Reno. Shout out to Wolfpack. 
and Kaepernick. That's where he went. Cap's been in the news. Our rival was UNLV. I played three years of college football. I lost to them three years in a row. Frustrated me. That was all I knew about rivals. I didn't go to a big school. So when I got drafted and I was in Minnesota and they were saying, yo, the NFC North is real. We got rivals, bro. We don't like nobody. We don't like the Packers. We don't like the Lions. We don't like the Bears. But the Packers, though, that's the one. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. And I remember when Packer Week came around, coach would say, like, this is Packer Week. This is a big deal. This is Packer Week. And I would see the way that these guys who I looked up to would shift their energy. It went from, oh, we get paid to do a job to we get paid to kick these dudes' ass. Packer Week was always different. And it... It was one of those things that impacted me as I got older. In my second year, this is the season I was cooking. I put up that thousand yards. We played the Packers twice, of course, because they're division rivals. First time we played them, we lose by a field goal. <sighs> Damn, we should have beat them. Second time we played them, we lose by a field goal. I'm like, damn. And this is Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Packers. But still, though, we had a good season. So we made the playoffs, wild card. And guess who we draw in the wild card? The mother bleeping Packers. Yo, it was crazy because there was two trains of thought. Yo, they got two up on us this year, so it'll be easy for them to beat us the third time. And then there are people thinking, yo, how often do you see a team beat the same squad three times in one season? We go to Lambeau and it's snowing. It is like the quintessential nostalgic game. It's not too cold, but it's cold enough. Stadium was rocking. Like you can almost hear like the, the Ed Sable voiceover. Rest in peace to a legend. And I remember thinking to myself, this is gonna be epic. Epic, epic. We start off that game, and right out the gate, we score. Defense stops. We score again. First half, we were kicking their ass. Like, it was crazy. And I remember there was a cornerback that was talking crazy all year and all week, and I was torching this dude. And then Randy Moss caught a touchdown. He simulated the moon, and he kind of got in trouble for that. That was when he said, you know, straight cash, homie, after one of the reporters asked him how he's going to pay for it. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, this is, how you, this is how you send a message to your rival. I think that was my favorite rival game ever because they were confident. They had Brett Favre. And you know what? They were a better team. For whatever it's worth, they were a better team. They beat us twice already. And I remember after us kicking their ass and celebrating on the sideline, it's still third quarter, and we up maybe a touchdown or two. And I'm sitting on the bench looking in the stands, talking to the camera, and Randy Moss kind of grabbed me by my jersey like, hey, hey, you better get up and watch this. And he, he was like, this is Brett Favre over there, man. Anything can happen. And he got up. And I got my ass up too and showing up. Red Favre, he tried to make a comeback, but we is already ahead by too much. And we got into that locker room and we celebrated, bro. We celebrated in the Packers locker room like Steph Curry celebrated in the Cavaliers locker room. Like we was going crazy. 
all you rookies out there, all you first-year, second-year players, forget about what you did in high school. Forget about college rivalry games. The NFL ones, those division ones, those historic ones, when a vet tells you this week is different, believe them and approach it as such. Robbery games tend to bring out the big name alums and super fans. It's always a fun time when stars come out and support their team from the sidelines. The Wu-Tang Clan. The Wu-Tang Clan showed up as guests of the Jets on Sunday. Jason Momoa was in Pittsburgh watching his Steelers take down the Rams. So who are the coolest celebs our guys ever ran into on the sidelines? Shooter McGavin, man. We had, we had Shooter McGavin in Buffalo. What game was that? I don't. I feel bad because I don't. I don't know his real name. I just know him as Shooter McGavin. But shit, Happy Gilmore was was a was one of my favorite movies growing up. So that's really what I know him know him as. He probably he probably hates that shit and doesn't even like it. But I thought that was pretty cool to see him in Dallas. My favorite one was Conor McGregor when he came out. I thought that was cool as shit that he came to a game. I talked to him, took a picture with him. There's a lot of people that come out to Dallas, but that was the one that really stood out to me. Uh, more so than anybody. I didn't give a damn. I was like, man, I'm getting a picture. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? When Conor McGregor was there. But there, was, there wasn't really time to just chop it up with him and talk to him like that. Pung out. I mean, Post Malone came to the facility and played Call of Duty one day. Um, so we kind of hung out with him for a little bit. And I hung out with him uh, at one of his concerts for a little while before and, and talked with him a little bit. But, you know, that's about it. I got my first home game coming up this week against the Bears. Sunday night game, big game. I expect it to be a packed atmosphere. I expect to see some some big time names out there. I'm gonna go meet up with Uncle Snoop sometime this week. Uh, I'd love to have him come to any games he want to come to. I know YG, he big with the Rams. He gonna come to some games. The game, I already told all them. I said I gotta get tied some jerseys once I get my collection right. Once I get my once I get my Rams collection right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I hook them all up with some jerseys. Man, it's whoever. If you in LA, y'all hit me up. You trying to come to a game? We gonna get it all set up the right way. We gonna go out there. We gonna have a party on the field while y'all have a party in the stands. I mean, in New York, Gary V kind of comes to a lot of games, and you see him on the sideline. You know, he's a a big celebrity. But usually, you know, honestly. You know, when I be playing football, unless I see him on the field, like, I don't really be paying attention to who's watching. Like, I, I just know my mom and my family there. That's it. Like, everybody else is kind of, yeah, I'm just trying to play football and just get this done. You know what I'm saying? Twitter had a field day when the report came out that Deion Sanders was on Florida State's radar to replace Willie Taggart as the next head coach. It doesn't look like Deion's going to take the job, but damn, it's fun to even think about prime on the sidelines. How would you feel about that, Jalen? I would, yo, I would love, uh, I would love Prime to get, to get the job. It's prime time, FSU. It is prime time. I, I saw an interview or something. He said he hasn't even been contacted yet. He hasn't been reached out to yet. But I would love that, man. They, I know that everybody's gonna say the knock, like, oh, he's only coached high school ball, man. Whatever, man. You put him in that position. You know, you let him orchestrate that program a little bit. What coaches would not love to? Coach with Deion Sanders, like, come on, man, let's let's be real. Of course, he the he the man at FSU. Like, what recruit house can he not go into? It ain't you can't name one. He can't go into. I know if you know I was a young recruit and Deion Sanders come and wanted to come up in my house and meet with me and my family, he there. It ain't no question. He there. I don't care if I got another visit scheduled. It's canceled. Deion Sanders coming in, like. 
man, I, I just think I would I would love to move. But again, I'm not a I'm not a that's not my uh, domain. I'm not a college AD, but I would love to move for sure. FSU might not reached out to him, but I know as soon as I heard heard it, I reached out to Dion. I said, Prime, I said, I need you to get this job. I said, I'll be there every chance I get. I, I, would, I would love that. He got my, he's, he's had my support privately and publicly. Cole, you played with some big-name guys. Which one of those dudes would be a good head coach? I think Romo would be a good coach. I think Jason Witten would be a good coach. I know Kellen Moore is a good coach. I played with him, and he's coaching now. I and mean, if he was still playing, I would have said that. I think Dak would be a pretty good coach as well. I don't know. I, I just I think it's just personality. I, I feel like he, he knows how to talk to anybody, you know, no matter what what color, gender, whatever. I feel like he has he just has a way with people, and that's that's a good thing to have for coaches. And he, he's obviously got the knowledge of the game. I mean, he's played he's played quarterback for a while now. I mean, I know he's only been in the league for four years, three or four years, but. I mean, he he had a, not, a lot of knowledge before he even got there. That's why he's he's been able to step in and, and do as well as he has. Um, but really, I just say that because of his, his personality and his, his way with people. When you think of a coach, you would think more of like a guy who can motivate a team and lead a team and kind of, and, and you know, knowingly have a, Understanding of football, of you know, four four down territory or three down territory, or knowing that you know, offense, defense, and special teams all got to work together, like all collaboration of football, right? So I think the the guy that kind of first came to my head was like Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees would probably be one of those guys who would be a great coach, just because of the fact that it seems like he can motivate his guys to play the game of football, right? So that's kind of like the first step, and then him being a NFL quarterback. And they run so many plays and different types of, you know, schemes and concepts and misdirections and running no huddle and hurry up and all types of things like that. I think he'll be able to put his guys in position to make plays. And him going against the defense, I'm pretty sure he understands defense well, too. So I think he'll be more of an offensive-minded coach, obviously. But him him knowing the game of football and him knowing and understanding defense, I think he'll find the right coach to play, you know, do the defense. And I think he'll be a great head coach for real. It's time to wrap this episode with another edition of Quick Outs, the part of the show where our guys share quick takes on off-the-field passions, hobbies, and whatever else makes them more than athletes. Hey, Cole, did you see the dancing Dak meme? I saw the video. That was hilarious. Now he's, he's been doing that for a long time, though. Starts with starts with the fundamentals, man. You know what I mean? He's, he's doing the right thing. So of course, somebody wants to go in there and, and make a video and start making fun of it, though. You know, that's, that's kind of the age we live in now. I don't, I don't know where they find the time to kind of put that shit together. Hey, Jalen, you see IG is getting rid of likes? Only thing I think of, like, uh, instantly is, yeah, it's going to hurt a lot of IG models, right? They're going to be hurt. But also, like, you know, Instagram comedians as well. And it can even hurt, like, with endorsement deals. Because I know, yeah, everybody kind of jokes about Instagram models and sometimes Instagram comedians. But sometimes they get endorsement deals off, off that stuff, off brands look at the likes that they have. Let's head back to the Big Apple. I remember uh, last week on the podcast, um, I was asked if I ever had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Or I was asked if the Popeye's chicken sandwich live up to the hype, and I told everybody, like, oh, I didn't have the Popeye's chicken sandwich yet. I will say on Saturday, 
I left the team hotel when we had our little break, left the team hotel and I, and I drove to Popeyes. And surprisingly, you know, I mean, not surprisingly, but the line was long, but surprisingly they had Popeyes chicken sandwiches there. So I'm like, okay, I'm finally about to get a Popeyes chicken sandwich. I go there, I grab me two Popeye chicken sandwiches. You know, I actually got them in my hands now. I got one original one and I got one spicy one. I just want to try them both. And I will say the first time I ever been to that sandwich, that thing was so amazing. Like it lived to all the hype. It lived to all the hype. <laughs> so I ate both of the chicken sandwiches. Then we played Sunday. Monday, I went back and got two more chicken sandwiches. So I've eaten four chicken sandwiches in like three days. <laughs> yeah, with the Popeye chicken sandwich. Popeye chicken sandwich was amazing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. The show is brought to you by Uninterrupted and SiriusXM. You can listen to it on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is also available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when new episodes drop every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, which I know that you do, and I know that you will, share the show, spread the love. Come on, fam. You know how it goes. I'm your host, Nate Burleson, a.k.a. Nate B., a.k.a. Lil Magic, a.k.a. Cadillac, a.k.a. Lion Blood, a.k.a. King Leo. Shout out to my co-hosts, Le'Veon Bell, Jalen Ramsey, and Cole Beasley. The show is produced by Gabe Goodwin, Ben Redman, Mike Midas, Matt Ford, Joshua Regis, and Paul Idemiller. Sound design and music by Steve Porter. Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel for Uninterrupted. Until next week, it's 17 weeks. Yeah.